How about this beautiful fall weather that we are enjoying? It's nice, it's crisp. How about Brooklyn out there painting this beautiful painting? Let's give her a hand. Taylor talked about crosstalk. Wave at me if you're a college student, if you're, if you're at Texas State, a few of you. Hey, wave at me if you're an alumni of Texas State. There we go. There's a lot of us. I have to apologize because last week I was talking about comebacks and I mentioned the Aggies, but I didn't mention our Texas State Bobcats who won in overtime and I didn't watch it because that's what Bobcats do. They don't watch Bobcat sports. So I'm repenting. I'm modeling here from the stage how to, how to turn and, and repent. So uh, I want to welcome you. If you're visiting, my name's Jose. We are a group of people, imperfect people called Cypress Creek Church, and we're on a journey together as we follow the one and only perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope you feel welcome. This morning, we are going to start a new series called Imago Day, it's Latin for image of God. We are created in his image. And I want to pick up where we left off last week. We finished God is Love series with First uh, John, the letter to First John. In the last verse in chapter 5, John signs his letter by saying, little children, keep yourselves from idols. That word idol can mean image. Here's the deal. There are a lot of little idols out there that we are distracted by, that we are attracted to, different things that not only want our attention and our affection, also want to define our identity. And so this series, Imago Dei, will look at who we are, how God sees us, and how he's asking us to see others. We have a vision problem. We all need to adjust our view, our world views, and make sure that they align with God's. A lot of ideas out there floating around, a lot of good ones, a lot of attractive ones, but truth is truth. Yes, last week, uh, someone taught me this uh, quote right after the service. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. We're going back to the beginning. Genesis. First page of the Bible shows us how precious, how important, how much we matter. Our value we see on the first page of the Bible. And so that's where we're going to go. This morning, uh, we're going to go. It's a pretty simple message. A lot of us are going to be like, I know that, Jose. Well, I hope that you take it personally so that we can all deepen in our understanding of how God sees us. And I certainly hope that we are able to share this with someone else that may not know it. Uh, this morning, I, I really wanna talk about the biblical world view. The entire storyline of scripture can be defined in these four Categories, And so that is my hope for today. We'll read Genesis 1, 26, and 27. And then throughout the series, we'll go all the way to uh, chapter 2, verse 2. Before we get going, though, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we all in this room have one thing in common, is that we are all image bearers of the Creator. You created us all in your image, and I'm grateful, God, that we can all come into this room 
to encounter our creator, to learn about how you see us and how you love us. I ask God that you would teach us and also that we would take this personally, that wherever we are in our journey with you, that we would deepen that relationship by your word, which is true. And also God, that you would allow us to see others the way that you see them. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Brooklyn did a great job. Look at that. That's not Wimberley. There's too many. There's three layers. I think that's Colorado. Feels like Colorado outside. All right. Biblical worldview. Two questions. Do you see others the way that God sees them? I could stop right there. We can say amen and walk out. And if we do this better, our world would change if we see others the way that God sees them, that every person is made in the image of God. True or true? It's true. Well, I see people the way that I see them, not the way that God sees them. How, well, what does that mean? We'll, we'll talk about that this morning. But more personally, do you see yourself the way that God sees you? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Let's read these verses will talk about the biblical worldview and we'll continue to ask these questions through these four stages, starting in verse 26 of Genesis 1. Context, God's creating the universe. Day one, he creates light. And so he separates darkness to light. Day two, he creates space. So he creates space in the waters, waters above, water below. Uh, day three, he creates land and separates land from water. Day four, he starts inhabiting the sky with stars and he creates day and night. Day five, he creates fish and the birds. So he inhabits the space and the, 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 the space and the water. And then day six, voila, moi, toi, us, humanity. He creates us. This is where we start in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Three things that we learn here. First, let us. God is speaking in the plural. That's because it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the beautiful Trinity that is in relationship to one another, making us for relationship with him. Second, that we are like him, that we have attributes inside of us that are God-like. We are not God, but we are created in God's image, in his likeness. And that, bring, that puts value to every human being that has ever walked the earth. And the third, we're called to rule. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, here's the thing. We're not very good rulers. We don't know how to rule. We don't know how to do with all of this stuff. Later on in, this, in the scriptures, we'll read that we're called to multiply and we're called to, to cultivate and we're called to build and, and, and create things. And then there's a problem, we'll get into that. But bottom line is we're called to rule, to represent and reflect God whose image we bear. 
Now, we'll talk about rule tomorrow, uh, next week, but rule, here's the bottom line. Uh, it's hard for us to control other things because first we need to learn self-control. We much more prefer to control other things, but it's cool how God keeps us accountable by saying, hey, have control of what's going on up here and in here. By the way, a little parenthesis, one of the ways that we rule is by voting. This is uh, voting season now. It's important to vote. I'm not gonna say who you should vote for, but I do want to encourage all of us to vote because it is a, one of the many ways that we can rule. We are created in God's image. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, in the imago Dei, he created them, male and female, he created them. Do you have someone that you are often compared to? Is there one person in your life, grandpa, grandma, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, that people look at you and say, you look just like you're fill in the blank, or you look, or you're acting just like, sometimes that's not very positive, is it? When you're acting just like your uncle or your grandpa, or something like that. How many of us are compared to someone that we may not want to be compared to, if we're being honest? It's, it's common for us to say that we are like other people. That's because oftentimes when they're relatives, we're actually made in their likeness. For me in my life, that's my grandpa, my abuelo Horacio. I have a picture of Horacio up there. I uh, resemble him physically in personality, uh, not the mustache, but we're both tall and thin frame, and um, we have the same mannerisms. So a lot of the things that I do, oftentimes people will say, oh my gosh, I'm, it's like looking at your grandpa. Here's the beautiful part is, I've never met him. He passed away before I was even born. And so I tell you that to say that it's beautiful when someone sees me, they see that I reflect my grandpa and that reminds them of him. It's the same thing we're created in God's image. When we see ourselves the way that God sees us and when we see others the way that God sees them, we reflect God. It's a beautiful picture of how we are imago dei. But the problem is that we like to determine our own image. We like to uh, uh, try to put our stake in individuality. And so here we have the four uh, steps to a biblical world view. The first one is creation. We're going to uh, talk, well, we've already been talking about that, uh, but we'll continue to talk about that uh, here this morning. First one is creation. The second is that there is a fall, that there's a problem, that we decided to call right and wrong on our own terms, but God, in his kindness and his mercy, redeemed us by sending Jesus and then restoration, that he will come back to judge the living and the dead and usher in a new heavens and a new earth when Jesus comes back. So let's look at these four, and let's look at how these teach us how to see ourselves the way that God sees us and how to see others the way that God sees them. The first in creation, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, beautifully encapsulates our life. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Before you were even born, God calls you fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Oftentimes, I think we go straight to the fall in our Christian worldview. Like, I'm a sinner. Yes, you are. Aren't you glad you came this morning? You are, and so am I. But we miss this part, that in creation, when we were in our mother's womb, he knit us together and he says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So here's, what, here's how God sees us from creation. He says, you are wonderful. Maybe no one ever told you that in life. You were born into a chaotic home. You were immediately uh, uh, trying to survive and, and cope with the things of this world. But the truth is, is that from the beginning of time, you, the one who bears God's image, God says you're wonderful. And he's calling us to see others as wonderful too. We miss it when we just skip over and go straight to the fall. But this is important. This is the beginning. This is the genesis of how we've been created. We've been created in God's image. He says that we are wonderful. I know that this verse may bring a lot of tension and heartache for some of us as we struggle through infertility and the desire to be a mom and, and be a dad, something that is very real. And as I was studying this passage and, and pre preparing for today, it was just laid on my heart to say, if that's you, know that you're not alone, that this journey is incredibly difficult, but not one to be walked alone. And that the fall is why that happens. I don't understand why. There is no real reason why except to know that our world is broken. It is broken from the beginning. And so if it's okay with you, I just want to take a, a short moment to pause and, and pray. Lord, I, I, uh, it's just on my heart to ask for any person here in this room that is struggling with infertility, God, I ask, Lord, may your peace comfort them, Father. We ask because you ask us to ask for life. We pray, God, for a healthy pregnancy, for a healthy baby and healthy mom. And we thank you, God, that life is a miracle that you created, that you are the author of all life. And so we ask, Lord, for life in Jesus' name, amen. We are wonderful. We, we celebrated two birthdays uh, this week. We have four little ones. One of them is six, so they're all at home. That's how it goes, right? And two of them turned three and four. My boys, uh, Ezra turned three, Samuel turned four. And on Monday, we were uh, alone in the house, meaning just the boys, the girls were gone. And uh, it was very peaceful in my house. It wasn't very long, it was like 30 minutes. And immediately I knew that there was trouble. And so I panicked and it was true, there was chaos. And so I found Samuel like this and I took a picture of him to send Taylor. This is what happens when you leave them with me even for 30 minutes and then Ezra looked like this. Now look, he's not even sorry. He's like, I know, I did it myself. And then look at Samuel's face. He's like, guilty. 
He knows. You can see it in his eyes. He's like, I'm sorry, Dad. I couldn't help it. I just had to. This is representation of the fall. That no one taught them how to do this, I promise. I've never done that personally. I've never marked my face with stuff, the arms and everything. We're all like this. We all have this sinful nature inside of us that wants to rebel against authority and uh, do this. So Ephesians puts it strongly. This is the fall, y'all. It's real. We are wonderful and we got this stuff inside of us and there's this evil spirit, this devil that wants to kill, steal, and destroy in our world that is propagating this brokenness on earth. Ephesians 4 says this is for you, you, this is all of us. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the crazy of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. This wrath is of justice. This wrath is when we make a wrong, there's got to be something that makes that wrong right. And so if we fall short, then how are we going to make up for it? Because the second thing is that we all fall short. You fall short. I fall short. And he she in your life also falls short. And I write these sentences, these statements, so that it may help you see someone that you may be having a hard time with here on earth, uh, some compassion and some grace, because bottom line is we're all on the same playing field. We're all created in the image of God. We're all wonderful. And we all fall short. See, Brooklyn spent a lot of time creating this beautiful landscape of what I wish I was in right now. Just mountains and, and beauty. There's really nothing wrong with this. It's a personal depiction, and it represents God's beautiful masterpiece. Just like you and I, when we came into the world, we also came wonderful. But then sin entered into the picture in chapter 2 in Genesis. We read that there is the author of lies. And so he's speaking lies in God's beautiful creation, and he's introducing us to pain and brokenness. And when we exhibit our brokenness towards others, what we do is we wound others with trauma and abuse. And that is what Ephesians 3, 4 is talking about, that we are in this pattern of what Scripture calls sin. And all sin falls short of the glory of God. And so God's wonderful masterpiece now is defined by these mistakes, by this sin. Thankfully, the biblical worldview is that this isn't it, although sometimes personally, we can... We always get held up here before Jesus. And even after we receive Jesus, we struggle processing uh, through this, getting healing from not only the things that we've done, so the consequences of our own sin, but also the consequences of other sin in our lives. But scripture continues in Ephesians 4. 
Paul continues writing and he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, which is all of these things, it is by grace that you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God doesn't leave us in our sin, in our wounds, in our brokenness. God came to heal us, to redeem us to bridge the gap between us and our sin, to erase the consequence of death and replace it with life. And so question for you and a question for me, uh, or, or how does God see us in light of Jesus's redemption is you, Jesus came for you and Jesus came for, for her and for him. Jesus came for us so that, Whatever we think may define us, when we give our lives to Jesus and we turn, we are washed white as snow. I asked Brooklyn, it's a cheat code. I said, hey, paint me two pictures. I want you to paint one on Sunday morning, and I want you to come with one prepared already because we're not defined by what's in the past. We're defined by what Jesus has done for us. We are a new creation in him. Those things are gone. And again, yes, that means that we have inherited eternal life and we get to work through processing and healing of those wounds this side of heaven together. Jesus came for you. Colossians 1.15.17 says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So it's interesting that in Old Testament times, there's a lot of laws in the Torah that talk about not making uh, statues or portraits of God. Um, it, it was something that we couldn't depict in our humanness. And the reason was, was because we are the image of God, meaning we all bear his likeness and then Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So if we want to see God, we just need to seek Jesus. And then we will know what God looks like, his characteristics, his kindness, how, how, how he passionately pursues us. For in him, for in Jesus, all things were created. So we hear now that Jesus was present in these verses that we just read in Genesis, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's Jesus, the one who washes us white as snow. It's crooked, it's bothering me. The one who defines us blameless now, is righteous, not because of anything we've done, but because what Jesus has done for us. My wife, when I sent her those pictures, Taylor said, hey, uh, those are not washable. It took me about 30 minutes to get it uh, uh, washed 
last time this happened, which gave me confidence because I said it happened with her. So it's not only, it doesn't only happen when dad's watching. And so sure enough, y'all, parents, buy washable markers. The brand markers are worth the money because the non-brand ones that are cheap, they take a lot of time. And so here I am scrubbing my kids' faces and making sure that they are clean. Here are their faces. Samuel went from that to this, and Ezra went from that to this. The joy of the Lord on their face because they are now white as snow. I I showed you that because they couldn't do that on their own. They couldn't wash that paint off. Someone else had to do that, and it's the same with us. We couldn't wash our sins on our own. Only by the power of Jesus and by the blood shed on his cross are we made clean. We need Jesus, he came for us. And then the last is that there's restoration. We live in this tension where the kingdom of God has come through uh, Jesus's life, death, and resurrection and through the coming of the Holy Spirit. But then this last episode is really stage, is really important in the biblical worldview that there will be restoration. There's no dualism here. There's no who will win, light versus darkness. God, no, no, no. Jesus has already won He came to save, and now he's coming back to judge. And when he judge, he will make all things new, and we will have now no separation between God and, keyword here, others that are in Christ. Because in this world, we are separated by the way that we look, by the way that we think, by what culture we belong to, all of those things. We're in heaven. All of those separations will be wiped out And we will see these verses come true in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10 says, after this, this is John with a vision. He sees a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the land. They were clothed in white rows and held palm branches would represent victory in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. That is what gives us hope. When we go through death this side of heaven, we have this to look forward to. When things happen to us and they don't make sense and we say, God, where are you? This gives us hope that one day there will be no more tears. There will be no more sin and no more pain. We'll be singing Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lamb. This will not only be personal, this will be global. It will be our reality. So here's how I want to close. We live in this balance again in in, in redemption and uh, restoration. Restoration hasn't fully happened. And so there are these verses in Colossians that teach us what God is doing in us right now. Verse nine of Colossians three reads, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So this old painting is gone. This new self is on, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There it is, the redeemed imago 
day here. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Our identity is no longer in where we come from, what our family is, what our past is because of our habits, hurts, and hangups. Our identity is in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, and we are consistently renewed. Therefore, as God's chosen people, here's how we do it. Here's how we do this uh, um, renewal. Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And all over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we clothe ourselves with these things, how would we answer the questions that we first asked of ourselves and of others? Do you see yourself the way that God sees you? And do you see others the way that God sees them? My friends, I'm convinced if we're in Jesus and we ask him to renew us, if we clothe ourselves up with Jesus, we will see a change in our lives and in the lives of those around you. Here is a conclusion of, the, of God's worldview in creation. He says that we are wonderful. In the fall, he says that we fall short. Redemption, we learn that Jesus came for us in restoration. We are forever. I don't know where you may be in, in your walk, but I think not only are these true overall, but they also help us navigate different seasons of our faith. And so maybe this morning, we just needed to hear the simple message that we are wonderful. Maybe we've been berated by critiques or we have are lost in this journey or in this race of uh, acceptance, and we just get to accept this morning that we are wonderful. Or maybe this morning, we need to recognize that we fell short. And something this morning convicted you in your heart that you were wrong. And it's not that it was maybe only your fault, but there are other wrongs that are actually informing your wrongs. We all fall short. That's the brokenness of our world, but Jesus came for us. Maybe this morning, that's landing for the first time, that Jesus came to heal, that Jesus came to save, not to condemn. He came to rescue us from our sin. Jesus came for us. And last, we are forever. Perhaps there's a circumstance in your life that doesn't make sense. Maybe there's a, a, a trouble in your marriage or with your kids or with a close one. And you just need a dose of hope that this is not home, that this is not the end, that we have forever to look forward to and that Jesus is coming back. Come soon, Lord. Let's pray.